0: ready
1: yes sir all right let's do it yeah hey why (laughs) not right let's do this we're
0: here hey this is masonic muscle i'm cesar rubio and i'm sitting here with shane arch one of our prospects that just received an application and a brother from another mother another lodge coachella lodge matt jackson (laughs) hello how you you guys doing i'm doing Doing great great. doing great (laughs) hey thank you guys for coming down today is about Shane Arch. Shane Arch is one of our prospects. He's been coming down here since September when uh, we opened back up, right? Yes. And real quick, just to give us, you know, who are you, what are you about? Why did you come down here?
1: Yeah, uh, my name is Shane Arch. I am, uh, I, I work in youth development. So I work with young people. Um, I'm a mentor to young people. Uh, I do actually, I do a lot of things. <laughs> hmm. I, I, prim, primarily I work in the service industry. I like to serve others. Uh, try to make the world a better place and um, yeah I came down to the lodge because I think that we share a lot of the same values uh, masonry and myself and uh, yeah masonry is something that freemasonry is something I've been curious about since I was young you know my father's a mason my grandfather was a mason and yeah I just I grew up around it and now it's I'm at a point in my life where I'm ready to experience masonry myself and see how that can affect my life
0: When you first came in, because I remember it was through the email, yes, you reached out to us and we started corresponding and I mentioned to you that uh, I believe there was lodges out your way, but you still showed up. Yes. And when I finally got a a chance to talk with you, I I mentioned that again, but you told me, uh, you know, what was happening and why you were coming to Palm Springs. You want to share that with us?
1: yeah so i i actually i visited a few lodges um the merino valley lodge evergreen lodge in riverside um and a friend of mine that was taking me to different lodges his name is uh, manny blanco and he was making sure he told me to make sure that the lodge that i decided to petition to try to join i should make sure that it's a good fit right so uh my experience up until uh coming to palm Springs for me was about making sure that you know as lodges make sure that the people that try to join are good fits for them that i was doing the same making sure that this is somewhere that i could see myself for 10 20 30 years
0: you mentioned that you had uh reached out and and actually looked for moreno valley lodge right and that uh, you told me that it was no longer there something that i knew because mm-hmm. of uh it, you know it, it took a while but they finally closed but you right. said you went there, and and um, obviously there was nothing there, right? But you also looked around in and around that area some more, or no?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I did. I, uh, I so my parents still live in Reno Valley, so when I was visiting them one day, I just I drove by and saw that it wasn't there. Um, but I, I did look at other lodges in the area, and I happen to live like in a, a triangle. <laughs> There's essentially a triangle around me of lodges, so they're all about the same distance. Um, so at that point, it, w- it was really about you know, a place I felt comfortable.
0: And I remember you telling me that because I did tell you that there should be something else closer, and you told me exactly that. Mm-hmm. And you said, because I said, hey, you know, it might be a little bit too far because that does become a concern for anybody coming in and, and driving so far. And then uh, uh, when you have an active lodge like ours, you tend to want to stay later because the, right. the camaraderie, the fellowship, and, and so the, lay, the drive back. But you told me exactly what you said, and then when I asked you, well, how long does it take? I was shocked mm-hmm. that did you like 20 minutes or, yeah. or I mean, that was crazy because you live out in Banning, right? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Now we just recently had our 75th anniversary and did you catch that the majority yes. of, the, of the, our founding members were from Banning? Yeah. Uh, yeah actually, I actually,
1: I know a woman who she was a rainbow girl and her father was a Mason at the San Gregorio lodge, which is no longer around, but that was the lodge that was in Banning that I, I think a lot of Beaumont people, Beaumont Banning, people went to.
0: Now, uh, uh, when when I finally met Matt Jackson, it was um, a similar thing. Uh, we had a, a friend in common, you know, Ted Parker, our master, mm-hmm. and he brought him down there. And, you know, it was uh, you were on a you were also right on, uh, interested in Freemasonry. You had read a little bit about it.
2: I, I did know a little bit of, about it. Yeah. I think um, most of what I did know about Freemasonry was the controversial stuff, most of it involving mm-hmm. those 32nd and 33rd degree Masons, you know, that stuff. Uh, and uh, somewhere, I don't know, early in my uh, life, I think actually was when I was in the military, I think I heard somebody say that you actually have to be invited. That's like a personal invitation uh, to come down to a lodge, you know. So I didn't actually know that you could actually just stop and knock on the door. And it never really occurred to me to to, to go actually knock on the door and, and, you know, see, see what's going on. But I had driven by many a lodge and I had, I thought to myself, you know, to be a fly on the wall, (laughs) you know, in there, see what's going on in there. And then, um, I think, uh, yeah, when Ted invited me down, I didn't even know that he was a Mason, uh, at that time. I don't, I don't think I knew that. Um, and, and, you know, Ted is, uh, you know, he, he kind of placed things down a little bit. So he's like, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I, think, I think there's some guys, you, you know, you'd like to meet. You got to come on down, you know, uh, come on down to Coachella Lodge and meet some of the guys and, and uh, you know, hang out and have some camaraderie.
0: Yeah, and we'll get to that later because one of our first conversations is what we're going to be talking about in, in a little bit with Shane here. Now, Shane, <laughs> ever since you started coming down, give, give us a little bit, like in a nutshell, uh, or maybe not in a nutshell, what has been your experience so far from the first time you came down uh, to our lodge and you joined us for a stated meeting and a dinner and then, and then uh, later on for trivia what, what happened there?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say, I think the first thing that I experienced here that was different than many other lodges is uh, the welcome. You know, I, I felt welcomed here. And that's it for me was a different experience because uh, it's, I don't know what to compare it to. Maybe like uh, some lodges kind of feel like a big library where it's like you, you walk in and you want to whisper and you kind of, you may feel uncomfortable, but I didn't have that experience here at Palm Springs. I felt like I was coming home essentially. And uh, yeah, that's, so that's one of my first things that I I noticed. The second thing is definitely the food, the food here (laughs) is amazing. (laughs) Chef Hector. Hector, Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. And I've, I don't think I've had a bad meal here since I've been coming. So
0: <laughs> kudos, Hector. I hope you're listening.
1: Right. Yeah. It's amazing food. I can't say enough about that. And and also just the um the bar. You know, the bar is set a little bit higher here, I think, which is something that I enjoy because I think in life we should always be striving to set bars higher and striving to be better. So here at this lodge, you know, we we dress accordingly. You know, we dress for success. Um and it's just the whole atmosphere. The whole atmosphere is an air of uh, uh, just greatness. <laughs> that's, how, that's what it feels like, to to put it simply.
0: Well, good on you. I mean, it, because if that's what you're seeing. I mean, that's what you're right. perceiving. And, of course, we're working hard and we yeah dress our best. We want to put our best foot forward, starting from the way we dress to the way we welcome you to... The meals that, that we have to break bread. Now, um, let's get into a little bit about your first time attending our um, charitable contribution to our community, right? And I know the mm-hmm. first time you probably heard that, like some of the other was like, what? You know, what? How, how is that possible? Or like, man, that, you know, come on. And we're talking about our, our Socrates Cafe uh, discussion group. We call it our Trivium discussion group. How... You know, how has that uh, impacted you? You know, what has it meant to you so far?
1: Yeah, that's, that's actually my favorite part of coming to this lodge so far. Um, and that's, that's that, you know, what, what I envisioned. Um, so I'd look at my father. He has, like, these, these pictures of his lodge, of the people that are in his lodge and him in there. And um, I always just imagined what, what they did. And in my imagination... The Trivium is what I saw. It's uh, a space for people to get together, exchange ideas with respect, um, and essentially, you know, steel sharpen steel, and that's what's happening in those spaces. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's my definitely my favorite
0: part. And we've gotten better uh, uh, with it, um, and we're here with one of the uh, gentlemen, one of the brothers that helped us initiate the Trivium Discussion Group. And this happened when uh, we came back in 2017 as the leadership of the Lodge. Uh, we had a lot of challenges ahead of us. And um, the Lodge was, you know, was where it was at. And they needed fresh blood, new insights, new ideas. But one of the things that Matt and I and a couple of other brothers from Coachella, uh, Dave Matthews, Ruben Leha, I can't remember which, which other ones. It was mainly us us three um i
2: think we're the main drivers there's a there was a couple of other brothers that were really supportive of it they've they've since moved on um, um you but know, out it, of the area but
0: y- yes yes and it was it was really matt that began to solidify the the need to give meat to not only prospects but when you become initiated and fellow craft right and what better way uh with the trivium the trivium so why don't you why don't you, Matt, as, as being and, – and so when we were in – so our launch, really quick, just to give you a brief background of what was happening. So we, we knew we needed something to provide for prospects because we had a lot. remember uh, back then, Matt, uh, we, we had something like six or eight prospects on top of that other – probably more than that. But um, – I think initially,
2: mm-hmm. but at, that soon swelled to yeah. 20, 15, maybe 20, 15, constant. 20,
0: with guests and families. Yeah. Constant. It was constant. So we said, we can't let this opportunity escape (laughs) us. So, but we need the the officers of the lodge needed to practice and rehearse first, second, and third degrees because we were under probation during that time Mm -hmm. and we couldn't move unless the district inspector of the time, Jim Ridley, um, signed off on us. Mm -hmm. So we said, while we practice in the lodge room, can you, Matt, spearhead the trivium discussion group? And he said, absolutely. You know, with, with your uh, blessing, I will do this, and he began to keystone it. Can you tell? Can you tell us a little bit about? And then we're going to include you in, Shane on this. Just what was that like, uh, Matt, to to do that keystone it, and and what did you learn?
2: Well, I have to back up a little bit. I think to fully answer that that uh, okay. question, go with, ahead. Uh, with all of the the gravitas of context, is that uh, <clears throat> I had begun digging into the trivium. I think about. 2011 2012 Um, and I attempted to read that thing about three times I think and each time I only got about halfway through because it that's a thick chunk I mean that's a lot of work uh, to get through that Um, and I I recognized that uh, I'm probably not gonna do this very well in a vacuum I really need to try to find uh, other people because these are really big ideas what I began to notice in myself Uh, was I could hear people speaking without actually saying anything. Like reading that book actually did change the way I was hearing language uh, because it's so precise in in how uh, in its delivery of definition and context. Um, and I think that's also what makes it's, uh, Sister Miriam Joseph just, she's very detailed mm-hmm. and that, that makes it a, a piece of work to get through. Um, you're not going to do it in, in a weekend or a week. So, so, this was something that I was personally, something that I was trying to uh, wrangle and grapple with. And uh, so, you know, following Ted's, you know, come on down to the lodge, I, I showed down, I showed up on, on a Tuesday night, I think it was. And uh, I walked into the lodge room, the first person I met was you. And we started talking about Freemasonry and, and Freemasonry. And then within the first, five minutes maybe you mentioned the trivium and then <laughs> that conversation just became about that yeah so there was there was almost an instant affinity for me um in just knowing that this is a place that that was that the trivium was being practiced or discussed or at least being entertained uh as an idea so when when, uh, when that offer was made to, to put this thing together, it it was a, a passion project. I did have a lot of passion for it and still do. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just all of that was just work purely from, from inspiration. I mean, I was excited about it. I was in love with the idea, I was given charge and given responsibility and I was just inspired and it just, it just ran and it, and it grew from there. The ideas like what kind of questions, how can, like what are the most challenging questions? Like, like how can we get really uncomfortable? How Mm -hmm. can we, you know, address those dark corners that we don't want to go into because that's where we need to be shedding light. Right. So, so from there, um, yeah, I begin developing questions and and structure, right? Because it is a structured conversation. And um, you know, some of that comes from just some of my own um, you know, or you know, ordination counseling and other counseling and, and stuff like that that not only that I have received, but also that I have done. So I had a little bit of that structure and some of those tools kind of in my bag, um, already to do that. And then um, you know, as I began to understand some of the more esoteric, part, uh, esoteric parts of masonry, those began getting included into everything from, you know, the, the questions to how the room is set up to, uh, to all of that. So it was, uh, there's more going on there than most people realize when they sit down in those chairs. There's, there was a lot of thought put into how, I mean, you know, you're sitting on the royal arch. That's <laughs> why it looks that way. Um, you know those those tables are the terrestrial and celestial pillars Uh, and this I don't know to me that was just so profound to just lay that as the groundwork that that's where we're going to sit we're going to sit right here right and what we what we put up for discussion goes right in the middle
0: and that was all Matt Jackson that was not I just wanted to start the trivium he's the one that started putting all this and I'm like Go with it, right. you know, because it, it, it's not revealing anything uh, esoteric that happens within the lodge room. But um, having said that, Matt, and thank you for that, because that is how it, it started. Now, I, I turn it back to you, Shane. What, what has been your experience? I mean, I, I think I just asked you that, but mm-hmm. I will turn it back over to you. What has been your experience with the Trivium? And would you recommend it to other lodges, like, to begin to experiment uh, with?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so my experience has been, um, I, one, I think it, it bonds us together, right? It's, it's a great way to create a bond. Um, we we're able to talk about a lot of controversial topics. Um, well, well
0: give, us, give us some. Give us some controversial topics that we've discussed using the Trivium. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, it's it's kind of funny because the the topics, I think, don't start off by nature controversial. They just become controversial because we have differing and opposing opinions. But the last trivia that we did was a topic that we've already covered. So going into it, I was a little bit disappointed, like, oh, well, we did this one before. But the topic question was, was, um, what is government and what is their purpose? And, you know, even though we had already covered that topic, I think everyone especially as as we evolve as we gain new life experiences as things happen around us our answers our opinions and our views change so even if we do the same topic more than once we're we're coming at it with with new perspective you know they say a man never walks into the same river twice so that that's what i think of when i think of the questions with the trivium um i would definitely recommend it to other lodges um coming into this lodge i think it was something that immediately created bonds between me and the other prospects, me and the brothers of this lodge, uh, I was able to see, hey, you know, it's cool that me and this person agree on this. And it it also created bonds in the sense that there are people that I adamantly disagreed with and it made me want to get closer to them and understand them more. Um, me and John. John was on this podcast a couple episodes ago um, and he talked about the Trivium a lot and he, he and I often disagree Mm. and yeah we hung out we hang out sometimes we we did an escape room together it was pretty cool but um (laughs) um, i think that bond was created because of how often and adamantly we disagree um so it's it's a it's a really strange thing to explain to someone who's never experienced it but it it, it's a unique experience i think everyone should should
0: have so obviously um experiencing the trivium which again it's our charitable kind and that was (laughs) again, that was the brainchild of Matt Jackson. I had nothing to do with that. Uh, He's the one that said, hey, you know, what better gift, right, to give to the community than the the keys to unlock the powers of our own mind. A classical education. And the beginnings of a class and the foundations of a classical education, right? Because we begin to question everything. And do you think now Having attended a bunch of triviums and and uh, sometimes when we go into state meetings when you guys stay out there we we assign you with hey pick a topic someone keystone it mm-hmm. and and trivium right and 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 have a discussion has it it's obviously shaped your view now of Freemasonry right Definitely. but but not all lodges do this I don't mm-hmm. know another lodge uh, does this actually uh, to tell you the truth but um, it would be somewhat disappointing right if you go and this is not happening right And so having said that you've been coming here since september you've experienced a lot of good things and uh the bar has been set high and now um what are your expectations from here on out from this lodge hmm that's a good question <laughs> uh
1: you know So one of the things I have to I have to preface this answer by saying, you know, I think there's a lot of different uh, ways that people approach becoming a Freemason. Some people have done tons of research. Some people have watched a ton of movies and documentaries and they come in with expectations and I've actively avoided that. Um, So I don't know what's supposed to be next. I I have no idea. Um, and, And that's by design. So Mm-hmm. I, I would expect more of the same. And, and by that, I mean, you know, I think I heard you mention this once, and it was uh, that, like, the, the trivium is building the temple in between the temples. <laughs> so that, that's kind of what I, what I see and expect more of. You know, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be more of the trivium, but just different things that are going to help me uh, think in a different way, um, which I think helps me become a better man, which I think is one of the goals of Freemasonry.
0: So you're going to want to help to continue to build that up and contribute to the lodge, How, you know, should your application be accepted and should you uh, get initiated, you're going to want to help to contribute to that.
1: Most definitely. I, th- I think it'd be an honor <laughs> to, you know, take the baton.
2: I'd like to go back to something that, that he said about the trivium, and, and it is the magic, and it is magic when you see it happen, um, that when you're holding that space where there is no – make wrong. There is no judgment. We're just going to have a conversation. Right. We're going to sling some questions around, you know, m- you know, might put you on blast by saying, well, what do you mean when you say that? Right. Or where did you get that from? Or, or what's your reference? Or y- whatever that is. Um, it's, a, it's a total space of equality. Right. And when those things are hosted really well, I think we should see the, that division and separateness from ourselves
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, from ourselves, completely dissolve. And then we have that experience of, of camaraderie. We realize we're all just trying to figure it out. We're right. all just, you know, making our way through life, trying to figure these out. And, you know, when I, was, when I was a little kid, I would look at guys my age like, man, man, these guys really have their shit figured out. <laughs> they, they know what's going They know what's up. Right. <laughs> And now I'm here. I realize <laughs> those guys didn't know what was going on, because uh, I don't know what's going on, and I'm reaching. I'm reaching for it. Yeah. So, um, so I think that is one of the, the the magic of the Trivium, that space where you know you really can uh, can can shed ego and really engage in this. Uh, let me call it an enlightened. You know, conversation where we're Mm -hmm. seeking ultimately to distill truth of something about something that we really see our our differences. I mean, we have disagreements, but we'll see those differences kind of disappear. And and at the end of it, I mean, you kind of love everybody. I mean, everybody that's in there, you just love them and you're and you're happy to see them next week. And those uh, it is it is instant camaraderie. It is instant fellowship.
1: It, It feels like and everyone may not get this, but it feels like Fight Club. It feels like the way if you've ever seen that movie where two people can bond over getting punched in the face because nothing feels more like being punched in the face than thinking, you know, something and having that get shot down in front of a group of people (laughs) and finding out, oh, I was definitely wrong about that. Um, And that feels like getting punched and it still creates a strong bond that's not of disrespect or disdain. It's it's a unity that's created in the room. So it's really hard to explain, but I, I, I would implore everyone to experience it for themselves, if, if, especially if you're near here. Come by. <laughs> if, if we're open if we're opening the Trivium, you should come by and check it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it.
0: So Matt, Matt has in front of him two books. One is the uh, Trivium from Sister Mary and Joseph. And what, what else you got there, Matt? The Quadrivium. Oh, the Quadrivium. And these are the books that uh, we began to reach into and delve into. Uh, Some people complain because in the trivium with Sister Miriam Joseph, it's so dense. Some Mm -hmm. of these some of these chapters are so dense that it it is hard to understand. There's like, I would say, five chapters that we can all read and we can definitely understand it. We can follow along and we will gain a lot. The other stuff you can see, oh, man, it's seminar level education. This is way up there not that we cannot not that we cannot read the words but the concepts are truly esoteric the comprehension there gets
2: really difficult uh, well and it's challenging challenging
0: yeah and say. and she says some things in there in the first couple of chapters even in the intro uh, where she mentions that this will unlock the power of your mind mm-hmm. that this will uh, teach you how to see the unseen you know and and just magical concepts that everybody's looking for when they come into Freemasonry and yet they don't want to practice the trivium. Right. You know, it's, it's something odd, right? It's a, it's a contradiction. So when you and I first started talking, you're right. It took about five minutes when Matt and I first, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not shitting you. He, uh, he's like, you know, I remember your expression when I said it, you're, you're, you're like, what, you know, you're, you know about the trivium. Yeah. And then I introduced you to John Taylor Gatto, and then it just yeah. snowballed, right? And by the way, if you haven't listened to the John Taylor Gatto interview, you know, the five-hour interview, the ultimate history lesson, a weekend with John Taylor Gatto, you, you, will, you will be pleasantly surprised or shocked mm-hmm. or stunned or appalled, whatever it's going to be. But it's definitely uh, worth it. And this how propel our conversations to another level because now you're understanding, oh, this person is on to some aspect of language the power of language how governments and kings and pharaohs have subjugated their people because mm-hmm. they withhold certain aspects of of the trivium right
2: well let's think about that for a minute um, perception is reality hmm. right reality is what reality is but how you perceive reality is reality to you. So, perception is reality, right? Definitely. Now let's put that off to the side for a minute and consider the fact that words create worlds.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? To those that are perceiving those words. I mean, this is this this is political rhetoric, right there. I mean. They're, they're, using political re- they're using rhetoric to create worlds, right? To alter, adopt, or adapt, adjust.
0: To create a reality.
2: Perception, yeah. Yes. Yes. yeah. And the trivium is a way to cut right through that. I mean, it is, it is a, a tool to uh, distill the truth and, and dispel uh, fallacy and contradiction.
0: And, uh, and this is true. And one of the triviums that we had, I remember we, we had a... Uh we, we were kind of getting stuck mm-hmm. with a particular definition of something. Uh, you know, I, 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 I wonder if you remember. And finally, you're the one who said, man, it, it, this is a matter of semantics. What you're saying is what everyone else has been saying, but you're going this right long right. route. And that's what the Trivium helps you to do. It helps you to just, like, just bore through, you know, like a laser beam focus on what you're really trying to say, right? And, and there's probably less words right. to say what we're trying to say. So that's why I, I keep coming back to the Trivium and asking you what, what it's been like. And, and obviously uh, I, would, I would assume, and I, maybe I shouldn't assume that you agree uh, of the idea that this is our charitable contribution. The, that, like this is how our lodge has mm. decided to engage the community and give of our time to promote this you know this uh, very important tool and technique that that we all need but now right. going back going back to Freemasonry I know you've had time to think about it and you have probably had your preconceived notions because we all do coming in mm-hmm. right do, do, you, do you believe you have uh, or do you have a concept of like where Freemasonry came from of where it came from yeah like what, what the origins of Freemasonry uh
1: I mean I do yeah you and know what I, is it I feel like uh, it's probably shaped by media. You know, I, as much as I'd like to come into this, you know, blind and deaf, you can't help it. You know, it's part of, I think, American pop culture is is the fear of the unknown, uh, the mystery. And mm-hmm. for a long time, that's what masonry was to the average American. So, yeah, for me, I instantly think of, like, some of the pop culture references, like Angels and Demons or... Uh, What's the other Dan Brown thing? Uh, the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of references in there, uh, references to, like, the Knights Templar, and I mean, th- those are some of the things that I initially think of.
0: And what about you, Matt? Do you have a, a hazy concept of the origins of Freemasonry? Or maybe not. <laughs>
2: well, I, I've heard the story that it was passed down from Akhenaten, right? Uh, and that's a nice story. Um, you know, in the ancient world, there were many mystery schools, and the uh, um, was the the collegiate circuit was uh, Egypt, Greece, and Tibet. Right. If you were uh, from a family of means, you would have traveled to these three places to learn. You know, uh, you would have learned philosophy in Greece, you know, uh, uh, meditation and, and uh, self-control, I guess, in in, uh, in Tibet through their spiritual practices. And uh, in Egypt, high arts of medicine and, and astronomy, science, astronomy, yeah. astrology. Mm-hmm. Uh, An interesting thing about the... You know the uh, the Solon. Uh, he went to the Egyptian priests, and, and he was asking them about. He was trying to find out what they knew about the epochs, right? Because he was trying to find out. I think what happened before the great flood. He was trying to find out what happened before the great flood. So all these priests, they started questioning him, trying to find out what what Solon knew. Uh, and one of the one of the priests said, oh, "You Greeks are are so silly. You are yet juvenile in in your development. For there have been many cataclysms before the flood, and there will be many cataclysms after. And all of all of these, you know nothing." And they left it left it yeah, at
0: that. You are but children. Or yeah, ever- you are but children. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: So um, so I think that um, that um freemasonry may, may have been one of those mystery schools during that time i mean i know a lot of people like to try to uh <clears throat> tie it to um you know the knights templar maybe um, um and we it's just it's just too hard to say because there there are esoteric influences in freemasonry from from all over the world so it's really it's kind of difficult to pin it down to one particular time or one particular place so I think it was it was probably something that evolved and maybe out of this collegiate circuit you know that was happening in in the ancient world
0: and <clears throat> what you're saying resonates with uh, what Andrew Hammer said in his book and it that Freemasonry is a repository of like some of the best ideas that have been passed down throughout the ages right and somehow we've retained uh these ideas these concepts these philosophies uh and that, that are foundational to anybody's uh, s- uh mental and spiritual growth I-, I tend to believe that you know whether mm. whether there's solid proof of that or not but um this is what you begin to see what did you uh, originally you know you came in and you 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 said it yourself right you wish you had come in with like as a blank slate but it's impossible right right but then you come in and you get hit with this right and mm-hmm. and you you see activity it's not just physical activity you see the most important activity that any lodge should have and that's the you know the mental mm-hmm. activity and i've asked you and you said yes of course you know all lodges should should try something like this but in in now that you're that that you're here and you've you've we have the the uh, our our principle of six to eight you know six to twelve months before you get an application. Mm-hmm. Was it worth it? Was it worth that wait? Yeah, uh, I would say so. Uh, <laughs> um, I think
1: I think that is a, a common tool that any any group should use. Most groups do use it. Um, my family is really into like motorcycle clubs. Same same concept. To get into a motorcycle club, you have to. There's some time that must be given. Yeah, yeah. Um, If you want, if you wanted to pledge a fraternity or sorority, there's some time that needs to be given. And I think that boils down to the the very basic concept that one of the most valuable things we possess as humans with a finite amount of time on the planet is time itself. So Mm -hmm. to give time to something to to give to sacrifice your time in the name of something that you're pursuing, I think is one of the ultimate acts the ultimate s- signs or symbols of dedication to something.
2: I waited for a year before I asked for an wow. application, but that was because I wanted to know who they were. Right. Right. I didn't know. And you know, you know, how long it takes to to get to know one person, right. A lifetime, you know, so to get to know a group of guys, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it takes a long time, so uh, I knew that I would be good for them. I didn't know if they would be good for me. So yeah. I think I was. It goes vet- both ways. Uh, it goes both ways, yeah. and I was vetting them, as you know, probably as much as they were as they were vetting me. So I definitely took my time. I wasn't in any hurry to rush uh, anywhere um, mm-hmm. when it came to that.
0: Now we we, we just experienced our seventy fifth anniversary this Sunday, man. What was that like for you, uh, Shane?
1: Yeah, it was amazing to hear the history. <clears throat> uh you know i think that's something that is a draw it should be a draw for most people you know when you are joining something with an established history like that uh a a profound history and it for me it was really cool to hear some of the how the history has crossed uh my path that i wasn't even aware of it uh the if i'm not mistaken (laughs) some of the first people that Establish this lodge. We're meeting with the with the San Gregorio lodge. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover between there, um, and that's that's the area that I live in. You know, if I, I don't know if I'd be sitting here if the San Gregorio lodge still existed. You know, I think
0: no. I think they were actually they were members of it, and that they, they started just um, wow. because they moved over here. They started getting together and hoping in the hopes that they can form a lodge. But they were right. members. Oh, they started over there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was that was pretty neat for me. It's uh, some of the connection to Hollywood, right? You know that, uh, and and I have the history right here. I, I, I put it in my bag before I left because I am going to make a, an episode just on that. Reading the whole history of Palm Springs Lodge, but to hear, uh, you know, just one quick t- tidbit was that, at in that time in the thirties and forties. The actors, they would like to just get away from Hollywood and spend time on their own. So, But they had to be within two hours of Hollywood. So in case they needed to get up and go and and, and record and film, they, they can get there within two hours. So this was perfect. They came down to Palm Springs, a sleepy town, and they didn't even have a, a mailman. You had to go to the post office and get all your mail. <laughs> no roads, of course. Um, nobody knew who you were. And so you had a bunch of actors out here that were just, you know, in a sleepy town. Mm-hmm. Gangsters, too. It, Al yeah. Capone was out here. I uh, hear Some it, of yeah. his
2: biggest uh, muscle. They all had homes out here, too.
0: Yeah, I heard about that. And now you're confirming it for me. And so uh, they, we didn't mention that, though. I don't know if there was any gangsters, <laughs> you know, in, in the part of our lodge. But uh, that was very interesting to hear that. And then to hear that... Uh, um, the first piece of land that was donated to us by, was by uh, a... Red uh, Skelton. N- no, th- was that uh, donated to us. Oh. Red Skelton was a mason and he'd come down here. But um, it was McManus. Uh, Eleanor, I think, or something like that, McManus. She was the daughter of McCallum, uh, the, the famous jurist, I guess, the McCallum Theater is named after him. And, uh, so, and he, he became the first white settler here With in Palm, Palm Springs. Springs, right? So when he passed away, he, he, you know, obviously she inherited everything. So she ended up donating like almost eight acres of land where KFC is in 111 in Palm Springs. <laughs> I mean, but they knew that uh, whenever it rained, it flooded and they they were not going to be able to withstand the flood. So that's why they sold it and bought the land here where we're at now. So that was interesting to see what was going on and the movements that they were making and the amount of land that they was donated to them. I mean, why? Why do you wanna? And then what about when they started constructing? I remember that part where uh, they were talking about when the when this was finally, okay, it's, it's, it's a go, and it's construct this thing. Um, people that were members, that were members of the lumber yard, that were electricians that well, yeah. donated all of their work, all of it, even uh, uh, all equipment um materials donated every single thing they never charged the lodge anything so now that when i as i was reading that that immediately connected me to that past and i and now we have a big you know uh uh tradition of oh okay that's how those guys did it mm-hmm. and that's how we um you know must do it as well in our in our own way so that's cool right. and yeah we had a good turnout the food was excellent. Thank you, Guillermo. And, uh, you know, and uh, Maria, his wife. I mean, just the, those tamales were excellent. The grandmaster was here. Did you get a chance to talk to him? I did, yes. Yeah, you did? Yeah. yeah. What would you tell him? What did you talk to him about? Uh, so it,
1: it was interesting because that was the first time I had seen uh, the regalia that was like gold, right? So yeah. we were, uh, me and a few of the other prospects were kind of whispering, like, hey, what, hold on. what's right. Why Why is there's different? And uh, trying to figure it out. And then we, you know, got some confirmation. But, yeah, you know, just... It, it was an honor to meet him. But, I, you know, I, I wanted to mention while you were talking about the history of Palm Springs. Yes, sir. I think that's another interesting thing about this lodge. And that's that because it's in Palm Springs and so many people travel to Palm Springs, it, it makes it like a special culture here. Because I've met uh, Masons that are from all over the world that come here or, you know, they summer here. And that's a very unique um, culture that's here that I don't know if many other lodges get to experience that. So that's been a pleasure to experience.
0: Yeah, me, uh, me neither. Um, I know at the uh, at my other lodge that I've affiliated to in, in Coachella, since it's it's further back, you know, it's nestled uh, further back into the valley. Um, a lot of people have a hard time finding it, mm-hmm. so I don't think we get that kind of uh, you know circulation as we do here. This is more central. Right. And can you imagine if it had stayed over there where they were originally gonna gonna build it like right off freaking Palm Canyon. I mean, right. geez, it was, that, <laughs> that, yeah, it would be because cuz we're next to restaurants now and and you know, little bars and stuff like that. It yeah. it, it would have been it would have been awesome. Yeah. So th- that was neat. Um I had a good time. I, I'm glad I was part of that 75th anniversary. Uh there was a lot that went into it. Jeff Gibson pretty much spearheaded the whole thing. He uh you know, we had the flag that was flown over the Capitol or something like that. We have it here. It's in a triangle, a triangle little, uh, what is it, Um, you know, frame that they put it in. Mm -hmm. We had uh, the mayor of Palm Springs.
1: Um, She came
0: by. That was pretty cool. She did come by. (laughs) And uh, we had the uh, representative, uh, Glenn Miller, I believe, uh, and also the mayor of India, but he's also like the Republican representative. Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah. he was here on behalf of uh, Raul. Yeah. yeah. So we he read the proclamation. So we got all kinds of proclamations. It was it was pretty cool, (laughs) man. I wish you guys were here, man. That would have been you guys would have enjoyed that. And uh, to see so many people here that that was a a pleasant surprise. And it was uh, very well received. Everybody was happy. Everybody had a great time and to be able to sit down. So I'm over there talking after the you know, we're, we're all glad handing after and we're having dinner. And I get my two tamales, and I get my plate, right? And I see my dad uh, sitting at the bar or standing at the bar because there's people, you know, uh, uh, standing there and eating. So I go over there, and the grandmaster's wife is there, Liz. So I'm like, oh, cool. The grandmaster will come by. So the grandmaster comes by and shake his hand. And first of all, I make sure that he wasn't making a quick getaway because I didn't see him. Right. But he was changing, (laughs) and, and so he was in the closet putting all the... In a, not in the closet in the library, putting all this stuff away. He's like, no, no, I'm going to stay here. You know, okay, you know. <laughs> this, okay, yeah, thank you. This is, this is great. So he got his plate, went over there, and now we're talking. And one of the new prospects, uh, Daniel uh, Dominguez, uh-huh. you know, he just comes in and just cuts right in front of me and the Grandmaster and just starts talking to the Grandmaster, and, and next thing you know, they're exchanging numbers. And I'm like, what the <laughs> like what the hell so <laughs> everybody was having a good time you know it was a good time yeah man. um there was some wine and uh, uh gibson was making some palomas i don't know if you had a, <laughs> if you had any of those but they, they were very good yeah they they were really good man <laughs> but uh, i wanted to get into a little bit more of of uh, what we started and that that was the trivium because uh, we got matt jackson here and you know it's been hard to get a hold of him it's been hard to pin him down you know he's been he's been a busy man he's 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 a man of many you know uh, what is it interest or many interests many, many talents, talents yeah. and I've been in the quarry yeah and he, he's been working hard man so let's turn it over to you a little bit man what what you what you been going what, you know, what's been going on with you and why are you here today well i'm here today we talked
2: about doing been doing the podcast for uh for a long time you know yeah we have um and uh uh you know i think uh it's our, our duty and responsibility to just make sure we handle our personal affairs with utmost priority uh mm-hmm. you know you got to fill your own cup first uh before you can fill anybody else's right so um i've been dealing with have had uh you know family stuff you know, in the past couple of years, career stuff um, so uh some ups and downs also the economy's a lot different now than it was a couple of years ago, right so um so just riding riding that wave of life uh if you will and um and now I'm just starting to get more stability um, so uh so with that with that stability I I really want to get rooted mm. and I really do want to get back into this because um I think uh that conversation that happens that conversation breeds life. Mm. It breathes life into you. I think it gets us it gets the neurons firing in a slightly different way or mm. it gets it gets your brain firing on all cylinders, you know, you start thinking about things in new dimensions, right? Not so linear you know, or two-dimensional, but now three-dimensional mm. or even four-dimensional, right? So, um, and um, I think, you know, whenever I was just sitting in that room, I just always felt so alive. Like, And I've said this to Caesar, too. Like, now I'm at this point. That's really the only conversation that's really worth having. Anything mm-hmm. else is just mm. pretty much a waste of time because it has no intrinsic value, most of it.
0: Yeah, There like, might
2: be some extrinsic value because you learn how to do this or you learn how to do this, that or you learn where something is. But outside of that, your casual conversation that you have just with a person in the street, like 95% of the time is is just garbage. And, There's and, nothing actually being exchanged, nothing of any
0: intrinsic value. And isn't that what a lot of people that are seeking to join Masonry are looking for in your guys' opinion? Are, are they looking for that conversation? You know, the, the only conversation where, and I, and I know once we started the, the Trivium Discussion Group, we kept, every chance we got, you know, hey, let's get together and let's have the only conversation worth having, man. Mm. I mean, do you feel that way that, that uh, people, uh, when they think about, hey, I want to go see what Freemasonry is about. I want to become a Mason. Are they, are they feeling, were you feeling that way that you're going to have some, um, not, not only insightful, but meaningful conversations in the lodge?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we talked about, like, you know, my preconceived notions, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I had heard, um, is that uh, masonry finds some of its origins in, like, essentially people with a lot of money and a lot of time who are who are trying to have these conversations uh, that maybe at the time it was unsafe for them to have. You know, you, you get to thinking about, like, the way some governments or people who are in charge don't want people to learn certain things. Mm. Um so people started having these conversations in secret. That was that had been something I'd heard. Maybe that's why I kind of expected that, but I think at least for me and I think a lot of other people that are in my position, they're looking for growth, an opportunity to grow and I I do think that the way that manifests itself, one of the ways is the trivium conversations that we have. What do
0: you think about that, Matt? Um <laughs> Well, well,
2: no, there there is truth to that, but also I think, you know, I'm a product of the '70s, so my idols, you know, when I was growing up was Rambo, you know, mm. Chuck Norris, uh, you know, the A Team, yeah, a bunch of sweaty ass, <laughs> masculine dudes solving problems. Those those were my role models. Those were even my toys, right? GI mm. mean, Joes and Transformers. That that was. What I what I grew up with um, when my son was born and he was watching Blue's Clues, I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> you know, and
2: Barney, what is what is yeah, this? Barney's kind of weird? Yeah, Barney's This is. And then there's all that other crazier shit that came came after that. So um, and then also since the 70s, right, the the divorce rate has also skyrocketed right and so we have a lot of men being home raised by their mothers and I'm not downplaying or taking pot shots at moms at all I'm just saying that to raise a boy that's a big big job for a woman that's a difficult an incredible incredibly difficult job for a woman Um, so we need we as men we need our masculine role models and we need our masculine mentors I think that that is just it's it's part and parcel to our development if we really want to adjust the added altitude of our trajectory seek mentorship Mm. I mean get with people that are gonna take you there whether whatever that pursuit is if it's an intellectual pursuit if it's an academic pursuit whatever that is just align with those people who have the time and compassion, you know, to mentor you. And so, um, and I guess in a way that's, you uh, know, in a way that's kind of what the Trivium discussion group is too. For anybody who's at least sitting on the board or, or keystoning it, you are mentoring basically your community mm. in, right, the beginnings, the foundation, as you said, of a classical, of a classical education.
1: I think that's one of the things, another thing that, dr- that draws me to masonry, I'm a mentor. That's what I am. That's what I do for a living. Uh, I mentor youth. So, you know, it's, it's often that I am on the giving end of mentorship and I think masonry provides a space for me to be mentored, which is something I didn't even know that I wanted until mm. I started getting it. Um, I'm a young, semi, sort of young, younger, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a business owner. Um, I'm a community organizer. I'm a musician. I I wear a lot of hats, like many people I think my age do. And uh, when I came to this lodge, I found people who are the same way. They're doing some of the same things that I do. They're business owners, and they're 30 years into their business journey. Um, Or they're also musicians, and I'm I'm getting the chance to be mentored by people who have so much more experience, which is an invaluable thing.
2: And mm-hmm. I would say that, too, mm-hmm. that uh, in, in masonry, you usually find people of, with a wide array of interests, right. and uh, there are many jacks of all trades, masters of some. <laughs> well, the master of one was a slight. Right, right, right. That was right. a slight, you would say to a, a, a jerk-off or a jackass, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, jack of all trades, master of one, look at that fucking clown. Yeah. The expression was yeah. jack of all trades, master of some. Because if you were around somebody who learned, who knew how to do something, you better straighten out real quick and, and observe how he does that because you're about to learn a skill. You're about to get past a baton.
1: Yeah, I always heard it was master of none. <clears throat> Jack of all trades master of none. <clears throat> you do a little bit of everything, but you're not great at anything.
0: And, you know, playing ball, um, we use that a lot, playing baseball. And that, that, ter- that term was used a lot. Mm-hmm. you know ma- master of uh what is it uh, no. jack, of all trades. jack of all trades master of none because if you were a second baseman but you were trying to do all these other right. things hey dude you're a second baseman, right you know stop trying to be a jack of all trades and a master of none master your goddamn position that's where we need you right so that really came into focus for me so i got you know i really mm-hmm. uh um i got it i was like oh okay no you got to focus On just one thing and that's one thing we try to do with uh with the trivium is try to focus a lodge try to focus a group mentality because when you get a bunch of minds together they're going to tend to you know like cats they're going to tend to just go all over the place but if there is a definite like us right we we go in there there's uh discussion etiquette and then there are rules to the game there are definite rules to the game and now we're focused. Mm-hmm. And now even if someone tries to tend to go this way, why? Because we're becoming masters of, you know, focus. Mm-hmm. The one who focuses the most in a, in a Socratic type discussion is the one that's really going to drive, uh, you know, get to truth faster, whatever that truth may be. If you're scattered, you're going to tend to um, not excel so much because it forces you to focus it forces yeah. you to begin to listen to what's being said and i was hoping you had something to, you know a couple of uh, pointers there or you know some notes that you can read from the sister miriam joseph there that that can you know highlight highlight that because that that's really um the trivium begins to help us focus yeah. it it it, uh, it helps us begin to dispel the cloud this nebulous cloud of confusion that has been spread all over through the media, through social media, through news and what have you. But you can pick out nuggets of truth.